Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Intuitive Transformations with your host, Sylvia Henderson, and discover tools, wisdom, and inspiration that will empower you to transform your life. Sylvia is an intuitive life coach and energy healer with a growing practice that is focused on empowering others to be more of who they want to be. For the next hour, join Sylvia and explore and unravel anything in the way of you creating the life that you would love to live on the Ohm Times Radio Network. Well, hello and welcome to the Intuitive Transformations Radio Show where you will find tools you can use to change and transform your life every Wednesday afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern on the Ohm Times Radio Network, the voice of consciousness at ohmtimes.com. This is Sylvia Henderson, your host, and I am an intuitive life coach and an energy healer. If you would like to learn more about me and the work that I do, then please visit my website at intuitivetransformations.net. That's intuitivetransformations with an S.net. And while you're there at the website, be sure to sign up for my newsletter and you will receive a special gift from me to you. As you probably know, the many benefits of meditation and other mindfulness methods continue to expand as science in a constant game of playing catch up with the evidence that we are spiritual beings having a human experience. Um, (laughs) One of the many benefits of mindfulness methods, which include meditation, is that the level of awareness, that level of awareness allows one to connect with a greater understanding and revelation of, of what life is really all about and how to better negotiate life in a way that um, significantly and can even completely eradicate fear, suffering, and struggle. As the circumstances of our lives become more challenged by our external reality, the Eastern practices of mindfulness and meditation become ever more crucial and important, especially when it comes to negotiating the stress and anxiety that most of us experience on a daily basis as a result of our fast-paced lifestyles, overscheduled schedules, social media distractions, and the constant bombardment of distressing local and world news. Many of us race through our daily lives with the unfulfilling belief that I will be happy when X, Y, and Z happens and whatever that is. And that only delays the inner happiness that our souls are hardwired to experience. However, when we become fully present within the continuum of time, living guided, guiding wisdom, I'm sorry, life guiding wisdom and grace easily flows our way, allowing us to live a life that is happier and more meaningful now 
from the inside out. Today we are going to talk about the gift of mindfulness and meditation and how it can change our lives. Joining us on today's show is veteran mindfulness practitioner, John Alcock, who is the author of 40 Things I Wish I'd Told My Kids, Mindful Messages About Success, Happiness, Leather Pickles, and the Use and Misuse of Imagination. Now, before I bring John onto the show, let me tell you a bit more about him. John Alcock has dedicated over 15 years to the practice and instruction of mindfulness. He is the co-founder and director of Mindfulness at Sea Change Preparatory, a trailblazing academy that regularly implements the practice of mindfulness in its curriculum. The school's emphasis on mindfulness sets the foundation, set the foundation for the success of its students, including world record-breaking swimmers, which were featured on NBC Nightly News. John is also a Harvard-educated trial lawyer and has been the global co-chair of DLA Piper's Intellectual Property Group. He lives in Del Mar, California with his wife and co-founder Cheryl. Together they have four adult children and he is here with us today. John Alcock, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. You are so welcome. Well, I am excited to talk about this topic because with the way things are in the world today, this is really going to help a lot of people. So John, your story and what you are doing in the world, first, of, first and foremost, is really very interesting. You know, So would you mind talking first about um, how you were introduced to meditation and mindfulness as well as the impact that it has had on your own personal life? Yeah, so it was about 15 or 20 years ago, I was going through a challenging time in my life, a divorce and other things. And so I started getting very interested in mindfulness. I uh, read dozens of books. I uh, went to uh, retreats, lengthy retreats, uh, week-long silent retreats at Spirit Rock and at Plum Village, uh, Thich Nhat Hans uh, in, in, in France. And uh, I got very, very interested, in it, and it was very, very meaningful to me. It, it was helping me greatly with my challenges. And so I've got three daughters, and uh, I wanted to pass along um, the learning that I had gotten. And I couldn't find a book or even a handful of books that explained it, I thought, simply, clearly, and in a way that a Western minds, uh, particularly Western adolescent minds, uh, could understand. Um, so I started writing them emails um, in Father's Day of 2009 in a hotel room in London. Uh, I started putting together emails and, and wrote them a, a number of them over a couple of years. And uh, they started passing the emails to some of their friends and their friends' friends and their parents' friends. <laughs> and um, a bunch of people said you should turn these into a book. And so so that's how it happened. Um, uh, a couple of years later, I put them together and edited them and turned them into the book. Well, it's a great book because every title starts off with just kind of the spiritual truth. And then you go on to elaborate 
what that is and how that can show up in our lives in a way that's really easy to understand and very digestible where uh, for many people mindfulness teachings have seemed a little bit out of reach because of how they've been complex how the complexity of how it's been taught so what's great is this is a really easy read and it really makes great sense and you're um, you're bullet pointing some really key areas that can very positively impact people if they really just give it some time to um, integrate and um, contemplate what you've shared here. Um, but before we go into the book any further, would you mind telling us, let's talk you know, about the school that you started, you know, which sounds mm -hmm. really incredibly exciting. You know, the Sea Change School that you and your wife co-founded together. You know, how did that idea come um, about? And um, please share with, your, with my listeners who aren't familiar with it, what makes your school so very unique? Yeah, well, my, my um, wife, Cheryl, had, had run a school uh, for quite a number of years and developed a super high quality curriculum um, and it, a, a teaching method that was uh, individualized and, and very small student teacher ratio. And she had swam at Ohio State. And so another key component of the school that she had was uh, swimming, uh, in particular ocean swimming. And so when we got together about five years ago, I said, well, you know, mindfulness uh, would, would really fit in to this very well. And so we decided to, um, for various reasons, uh, start a new school in a new location uh, with the academic pillar that she had already developed, the super high quality academic pillar the uh, physical education and inspiration pillar uh, that she had already largely developed, and a mindfulness component. And so uh, basically, um, the school is small, the one to five student teacher ratio, and it's a micro school, like 25 students, maybe 30. Um, and uh, the focus is on small group learning project-based, um, ocean swimming, including some dramatic ocean swimming. We just returned from a trip where we swam from one Italian island to the other 15 miles in the open ocean in the middle of the Mediterranean. And um, mindfulness, um, where three mornings a week before we swim in the ocean, we have um, guided meditation instruction uh, for 30 minutes in traditional mindfulness um, types of approaches with a curriculum that I've developed. Um, and then once a week, uh, uh, there's a hour-long seminar on various readings for mindfulness. And then it's infused throughout the school. All the staff and teachers uh, are trained uh, certified mindfulness instructors. Um, and so really, there's no moment in the day <laughs> where mindfulness isn't part of the, of the school environment. So that's basically it. Um, and, you know, so jumping uh, off a boat uh, 70 miles off the coast uh, into the middle of open ocean all alone um, is a very useful place uh, to exercise mindfulness over fear and self-doubt. 
And uh, so it, the, the combination of all of them has proven to be uh, pretty pretty strong uh, in terms of um, our students' performance. Well, you know, I had the opportunity to check out the website, and I was really impressed. And I believe you even have one student there that's nonverbal and who also participates in this curriculum fully. And you, um, your students have broken some world records. And so what are some of the individual successes that you have seen um, you know, achieved by your students um, as a result of this um, kind of holistic approach to education? Well, the, the mission behind the school really is to get the most out of each kid um, and, and have them be the best they can be in each area of their lives, whether it's academic uh, or physical uh, or social and emotional. And uh, we take every kid uh, at wherever they are, and um, they, every kid has challenges, every kid has strengths, and uh, we try to maximize the strengths and overcome the challenges. And so, um, you know, one, one kid uh, that we had uh, graduated last year, um, before he came to our school, he had been thrown out of four schools in five years. And uh, he spent four years with us, and he went to uh, Michigan Engineering um, and turned down Berkeley, Davis, Bolt, uh, and a number of other super high-quality schools. And he just finished his first year, and he has a 395. Um, wow. The autistic kid that you mentioned, um, he was uh, given up on, basically. He was... Um, his parents were told that he would never communicate with them, that he had no brainwave activity in terms of recognizing uh, instruction or uh, being able to speak or communicate with anyone. And um, my wife took a look at his records and said she didn't believe it. And that was three years ago. And he had uh, his educational goal at that time uh, was to dress himself. And so that was three years ago. Uh, Otto just swam his second world record swim, uh, 15 miles uh, relay, so he swam three legs in the open ocean. He's doing sixth grade English, sixth grade math. Um, his IQ has been tested at 140. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. By the very same people who said he had no brainwave activity. Um, and he, you know, um, it's he communicates very well. Not speaking. He still doesn't speak. 
but it communicates very well through a board, um, you know, computer um, mm -hmm. typing. Um, so those are two examples, uh, uh, you know, kind of two extreme examples, but we have many students that are everywhere in between. Um, a, a lot of students um, who are super uh, advanced um, in our current educational system um, are held back by the fact that there's 30 kids in a class and you can only push so far uh, in that class before you bump up to the limits of where the teachers can advance. Um, in our system, uh, we don't really have classes and each kid is treated individually. So kids can go as fast as they as they as they uh, are capable of, um, and then students that need a little extra time, again because it's pretty individualized and personalized based, um, mm -hmm. they can take a little extra time, and and with the individualized attention, um, they can overcome obstacles uh, that they wouldn't be able to necessarily overcome in a larger class environment. Yeah, I really love how you and your wife have created a school that really looks at a student from the point of, of view of really seeing their um, undeveloped potential and recognizing that you have the skill set through the resources you have at the school to help release that potential. I'm the parent of two sons with autism. And when I went and visited your website, my first thought was, oh, gosh, I wish this had been available <laughs> when my sons were much younger, because there is so much potential that's locked up in all children, you know, whether they yes. have the ability to speak or not, or if they have a diagnosis of autism or if they're neurotypical. It's just a matter of our typical school system right now is really geared for that child in the middle. And so they kind of Absolutely. miss the kids that are on either side of that. And so our, I our really view wanna... of the world, yeah, mm -hmm. our view of the world is every student has tremendous strengths. Every student has tremendous challenges. It doesn't matter what the, yeah. where the kid comes from or what the kid is. They both have both of those things. And and if you can completely accentuate their benefits and overcome their challenges, whatever they may be, um, we're going to get the student to be the, the best they can be. Um, and, you know, in some cases that's Michigan engineering. Uh, in other cases it's, you know, something else. Um, but but that's, the, that's what we believe can be achieved. I love that, and I totally agree with it. <laughs> so... We are on the same page there. We're going into a break. Everyone, please stay tuned for more of Intuitive Transformations Radio on OhmTimes.com. And when we return, we're going to talk about John Alcock's book, 40 Things I Wish I Told My Kids. We'll be back in just a moment. The future of Internet radio is here. Ohm Times Radio. IOM FM. Ascending Hearts is no ordinary dating site, but a spiritual dating site with a purpose, to link you with your soulmate. We engineer the serendipity so you can trust that you will attune with someone that has the same matching vibration as you. 
Ascending Hearts, the conscious dating site for the spiritually aware. Try Ascending Hearts for free. AscendingHearts.com Hello, I'm Sandy Sedgbeer, host of Omtones Magazine's flagship radio show, What is Going On? My passion is sifting through information, research, and innovations from new thought teachers, speakers, and researchers pushing back the boundaries of what we know about life, energy, metaphysics, and the universe. I love shifting perceptions about who we are, why we're here, and how quickly impossible becomes normal when we open our minds, expand our awareness, and accept that the only limits that exist are those we place upon ourselves. So if you're the kind of forward-thinking, eager investigator of what lies beyond the current reality that most perceive, why not make a date to come play with me in the field of possibilities at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, every Thursday, and together we can discover what's really going on. When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I was sensitive to lights and sounds, so I built secret hiding places where they couldn't get in. Sometimes, I did the same things over and over, until one day, I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at AutismSpeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. everyone this is Sylvia Henderson with the intuitive transformations radio show and I have with me today my guest John Alcock he is the author of 40 things I wish I told my kids and before we went to the break he was talking about the school that he and his wife Cheryl co-founded called um, sea change preparatory and one of the things we were discussing John before the break was really that everyone has potential um, and it's about how do we unlock that potential so in your book you talk about some of the things that are some of the stories we create in our mind <laughs> our minds that stop us that um, that limit us that hold us back that um, tell us that we can't achieve our goals and so um, Let's jump right into the number one um, issue, which is worry and fear. You know, worry seems to be a constant state of mind for most people in our society, especially as of late. And um, do you have any advice that you can share that will help people who struggle with worry and fear? Well, it's almost kind of where the book starts, right? The second chapter of the book is 90% of your worries are wrong. Um, and <laughs> and that follows the first chapter, which is don't be ruled by the tyranny of events. So it it's kind of starts there. Um, you know, and kind of the, the take that I have on the situation is for very good reasons, our systems are set up to have a bit of a fear bias. Um, the reason that we still exist as a, you know, being is because of natural selection and because of a kind of hypervigilance. Um, the, those of us that survived uh, in the caveman times are those that had a healthy dose of fear. Um, and it was very wise and, and very sound 
uh, to have a fear bias back in the days when if you made a mistake, a saber-toothed tiger would finish you off. Or if you went down the wrong path, a warring tribe uh, would finish you off. Uh, so our systems have a bit of a fear bias to them. But nowadays, we apply that fear bias to um, things that don't rise to the level of a saber-toothed tiger or <laughs> a warring tribe. Uh, the, a credit card bill comes in the mail, and 10 minutes later, we're imagining that we're going to be out on the street penniless uh, two years from now. Or we're going to meet with our boss um, in a week, and the boss has the same terror-filled imaginations in our mind as the saber-toothed tiger did in reality. And so our imaginations turn things uh, that are not actually subject to fear, uh, an appropriate fear reaction, uh, into reality. And so that's really the challenge. It's not like there's anything wrong with us to have a fear instinct. The fear instinct is very healthy in certain circumstances. Uh, when you walk across the street and a car comes at you, fear is great. It drives your adre adrenaline up. It drives your attention up. It causes you to move faster. Um, but all of those things happen when your imagination worries about the meeting with the boss, and they don't help you at all in that circumstance. So it's a matter of, of um, recognizing uh, when fear is appropriate. And um, and when it isn't, and when it isn't, um, dealing with it in a way uh, other than letting it take you over. Yeah, you know, fear is so it's so taught into us also, and I do recognize that fear is part of our natural makeup, and it's designed to keep us safe. But we are taught to imagine fear from the time we're little ones. You know, <laughs> look no. over your shoulder at everything, and so. How do we discern what is the difference? How do we define the difference or, or, or identify the difference between what's imagined fear and authentic fear? Yeah, well, that's where mindfulness comes in. I mean, mindfulness is the ability to observe uh, without judgment uh, your mm -hmm. experience. and observe it in an open and curious manner uh, without letting it take you over or control you. Um, and, and, and once you can do that, uh, then you create a space for you to evaluate um, your situation more realistically. And you have choices then. Whereas, uh, as you point out, our, our society um, in addition to the instinctual bias I mentioned, um, our society uh, goes way overboard on worry um, and planning um, and, uh, and, and, and just propagating fear and anxiety. Um, and, and so unless you have the ability to stop and create a space, um, you're going to be taken over uh, by those uh, thoughts. Um, 
And that's, again, that's, that's kind of the whole point of the book, is that, that mindfulness allows you a freedom um, to make a choice that you don't have uh, if, you, if you don't create this space. Right. So for people who are listening and they're like, okay, so what exactly is mindfulness? Because one of the things, one of the um, things that you touch on in the book, which is really important, it's not about trying to control the thoughts. That is just way too much effort and it's impossible to do. So can, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So, um, you know, most of us think that um, we're like, our, our brains are like the um, deck on the Starship Enterprise and that we're Captain Kirk. And just like Captain Kirk can control all of the people on the on the deck, uh, we can control our thoughts. Um, and that isn't the way we work at all. Uh, our thoughts arise, our feelings are arise, our emotions arise from various places, including our subconscious, including a lot of external forces. Um, and we don't have any control over any of that. Um, not really any. <laughs> mm -hmm. But what we do have control over is what we do when the thoughts enter our head, what we do when the emotions um, overtake us. So when you feel fear, you can't control whether or not you feel it, but you can control over, you can control whether or not you let it take you over. And therein lies the major distinction between awareness and thinking. And people in the West don't even know that there's a distinction between the two. And so that's why the first five or six chapters of my book focus on that, uh, because I think that's one of the biggest things people... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. People in the West need to understand in order to understand mindfulness, and it was the hardest thing for me to get my brain around. Um, but the notion that you can simply be aware and not have to engage in the thoughts uh, that are pounding into your head. And if you just are aware of the thoughts being there and not get captured by them, not divert all your attention to focus on them, but just to let them go and release them, your lack of attention to them will cause them to wither away and pass through you, just like clouds pass and weather passes. Um, and that is really the critical function of mindfulness. Yeah, you know, and there's such a, and it is a difficult concept to get across unless you've actually had an experience of it almost, because the mind just really wants to hold on to every thought and analyze it and turn it upside down and pick it apart and create a story out of why I'm having this feeling in my body or what I'm experiencing in my world. And, and then it becomes a sense of self or a sense of identity where is being able to, to just observe and remain curious, which I think is really a great 
way to define that process because that does allow you to be more open without the judgment or without concluding that you know what something means. Because it's when we get into that conclusion of things that we start to get into trouble, even in our lives. And it doesn't allow change to be fluid and organic because change is just something we have to deal with all the time. Uncertainty is a part of life, which you do talk about in your book. And so how do we negotiate that uncertainty? Yeah. You know, lean into that instead of being afraid of it. Right. So that um, is a part of that. That's one of the chapters. There's a series of chapters uh, that talk about beliefs that we have that are just flat out wrong but rule our lives. And uh, so you just hit on one of them, which is that uncertainty uh, is a bad thing. Um, And that's a belief that we all all have. Uh, We all uh, want the world to be certain. We all want the world to be a particular way that we want it to be. Um, And when it doesn't work that way, or when we can't feel control over it, it causes us anxiety and worry uh, and puts us in a, in a terrible mental state. When the truth of the matter is we really don't have control over a lot of things in life, uh, whether the stock market goes up or down, uh, whether loved ones get sick or, or die, um, you know, what our boss decides to do, uh, next week, we don't have control of those things, and and so um, the the question is, how do we approach that? And one of the things that that I suggest with respect to uncertainty um, is that you approach uncertainty in the totally opposite direction than with a fear-based mind, but with the with the notion that everything that happens is an opportunity. Everything that happens to you uh, is opens a world of possibilities. Um, if you are not so focused on the world having to be the way you currently desire it to be or what you think is the best thing for you. And so that's why the name of the chapter is, we live in a sea of uncertainty, but we already know how to swim. Um, we've dealt our whole lives uh, with um, events that we didn't plan on. And sometimes they were the best things that ever happened to us. We just didn't know it when it happened. Um, But having a characteristic of openness allows us to recognize that possibility when any event happens. Yeah. You know, and it's really interesting because quite often when change happens that is quote unquote outside of our control, we tend to resist it. And as you just said, you know, we don't know what that change really can bring into our lives. If we look at it from the point of view of opportunities, instead of, oh, something is being done to me, or this is a negative and defining it as such, it really does change the whole um, energy of that experience and can open up, as you said, more possibilities and potentialities for us to experience. Um, One of the things you talk, go ahead. Just a quick example of a million examples I could give is um, 
Now we, I, at Sea Change, we deal with kids applying to college. And I, and, and, you know, I don't know if you've dealt with many um, kids or their parents as they're applying to college nowadays, but there's an incredible amount of stress in terms of getting into the right school, the number one school, the school they want. And my best story on that is when I was in high school, I applied to Brown University. I thought it was the best school for me. It was the one that I thought everybody told me I was going to get into. Well, I didn't get in. And I got into Boston College. And Boston College ended up being the best place I possibly could be. And it got me into Harvard Law School, which I never would have gotten into if I'd gone to Brown. And so all of my negativity about missing the right school and only getting my second or third choice turned out to be totally wrong. And so that's what I tell all these kids now. I said, you have no idea what the best school for you is. The best school for you is the one that you get in and the one that you go to. And, you know, I love that because you, if you can just, like, relax a little bit instead of, like, no, no, this can't happen, which is what most people do. They panic when change starts to happen and just, you know, one of the things you talk about is reconnect with your breath. You know, calm that nervous system down so that you can remain curious instead of allowing your emotions to escalate and and look at life from a fear perspective. Because when you look at life from a uh, from a fear perspective, you will not make the best choice. You'll be making a choice to try to avoid a fear instead of being able to look at it openly to see what really is this change um, opening up for me as a possibility and a potentiality for my life. Um, one of the chapters you labeled, which I just like immediately went to, is pain is unavoidable and suffering is optional. And what I always tell people is suffering is resisting what is. And so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that chapter. Yeah, you just hit the nail right on the head. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, that that's exactly the thing, right? It's um, so we are going to have pain in our lives. Uh, our parents are going to die. That's painful. Um, loved ones are going to disappoint us sometimes. That's painful. Um, we're going to get illness that is going to hurt our knee or hurt our back or other things. That is painful. All of those things are inevitable. We can't stop them. But that isn't why we suffer. Um, most of the time, most of those things are resolved. What the way we suffer is we build stories around the pain. I oh my God, my my mom died when she was seventy two. She should have been alive until eighty four. Why why me? Why did I why did I get a situation where my mom died so young? Uh oh my knee is sore. I'm only fifty eight. Uh, why should my knee be sore now? I, I'm entitled to a life where my knee isn't sore. So it's the stories that we build around the pain um, that is the cause of our suffering. When, you know, in the case of the death of a loved one, if um, what we say is, what a great life they had, and how much can I learn to live each moment as if it was my last, and each day as if it was my last, from the death of a loved one. I can make it a learning experience. That's a totally mm. different story 
from the the pain. And so as I say in that chapter, um, pain is a great teacher if we allow it to teach us. Uh, but instead, as you point out, we resist and we yeah. create stories. And that creates an immense amount of brain damage and, and causes us to lose opportunities um, for life and living. So not only um, that, it only, that's it, one of my favorite it, chapters. Yeah, that, I, I loved it, too. I mean, not only that, it increases the pain you're experiencing. And sure. I love how you just reframe that, and it doesn't change the situation. The circumstance is still the same, but your perception of that circumstance changes. And that really does give you the freedom to step out of the pain instead of being enmeshed in it. So I know that we're going to be going to another break. Um, so... Uh, We'll continue this conversation after that. But um, when we get back, we're going to talk more uh, with John Alcock about the 40 things, the book he's written, 40 Things I Wish I Told My Kids. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Stay tuned for more. The cutting edge of Conscious Radio, Own Times Radio, IOM FM. Host your show on IOM FM, the radio network of Own Times Media, one of the more recognized brand names in the conscious community, and is backed by the extensive marketing reach of Own Times. Hosting a show on IOM FM immediately connects you with our extensive, dedicated community. Hello, I'm Lisa Berry. Join me every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time for Light on Living. A chance to see new, hear different, and feel more as I shine the spotlight on all the ways to lighten the load of life's challenges. Light on Living is your link to that new way you're looking for, that new understanding that will enhance your life, and that positive connection that will support your growth. So join me and you'll gain insight and start to see things in a new way that motivates you. Hey, let me ask you something. Would you seat your three-year-old child on a windowsill? Would you seat them beside a lit fireplace or by the deep end of a pool? One last question. Would you seat your child in a car seat that's not correct for them? Car crashes are a leading killer of children ages 1 to 13. Secure their future. Seat them in the correct car seat. For more information, visit safercar.gov slash the right seat. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Well, we are back. You're listening to Sylvia Henderson on the Intuitive Transformations radio show. And today we are talking about John Alcock's new book, 40 Things I Wish I Told My Kids. And before we went into the break, um, John and I were talking about um, the fact that suffering is optional. It's more of a choice. And for those of you who are listening, I just want you to know that if you ever look at a situation and start off the inquiry of why me? you are opening the door to suffering because why me questions will definitely give you a laundry list of why the negativity is showing up in your life. And it'll usually be um, to your own discredit. So I would encourage you to avoid that kind of inquiry because the mind is designed to answer any question you ask it. Um, and one of the 
things I do want to touch on, because I know we're running out of time. This is going so quickly, John. First of all, I want you to share with the listeners how they can um, learn more about you and your book. If you could share your website with them, that would be great. Sure. The website is uh, very creatively titled uh, 40 Things I Wish I Told My Kids. Um, <laughs> and, it, and it has a number of sections on it. It has um, uh, obviously you can order the book. It, it has some uh, three to four minute um, speaking examples of um, uh, speak, you know, my speaking that I do. Uh, and it also has a link to the Sea Change website. Uh, there's also a page on mindfulness and education where Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, I offer some resources on that. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that with our listeners. Um, I do want to talk about anger. Um, and I love how you titled the chapter, you make, you make me mad is a fantasy. Oh my gosh. You know, <laughs> how many people blame how they feel on someone else <laughs> or something outside yeah. of them, not recognizing that everything we feel is an inside job exclusively and only. So can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it's, it's actually one of the clearest examples of mindfulness um, and, and how mindfulness can create an immediate dramatic change in your life. The example I always give is you're driving down the road and somebody cuts you off. And if you don't exercise mindfulness, you don't have a choice. And so you get mad at the other person. Um, your blood pressure rises. Um, if you're having a conversation with another person in your car, the conversation is interrupted. Um, you're fuming. In an extreme case, you uh, chase the person or you hear road rage and all that. All of that is where you're letting your system be controlled by a hab habitual, thoughtless reaction. Now, what mindfulness allows is for you to feel the anger as it arises. And as you pointed out earlier, to focus on your breath and to focus on the notion that there's an emotion welling up within you that you don't have to honor, that you don't have to allow to control you. And you can just let it ride and also maybe even evaluate the situation and say, well, that person's gone now. What possibly could any action that I do undo whatever that person did? And maybe that person was on their way bringing their wife to have a baby, and they were in a rush, and that's why they cut me off. There's all kinds of reasons why. And all of that can ameliorate the toxic, truly toxic effects of anger. So that's why that's, I think anger is one of the great examples 
of the power of mindfulness changing your life. Uh, and the last thing I'll say is I don't know any decision that anyone's made in anger that's wiser than a decision made without anger. I think that's, yeah, I think that's so true. I have to agree as well, because anger is, it's usually a rash decision. It's not well thought out because you're not even allowing yourself to have access to um, all of your um, capacity, even, even all of your resources, because you're so um, flooded with that emotion. It's, it's very challenging to see clearly in making a decision. Um, one of the things you also talk about is the belief that happiness comes from getting what we want. And there is this belief that happiness is something that we acquire from outside of us. It's the new car, you know, it's, it's the, the relationship, it's the, um, the achievement at work or the accolades in your career, you know, getting the house you want. And all of those things are lovely, but the um, the happiness it brings is very fleeting. You know, as soon as that brand new car gets a ding in it, you're not as excited about that car as you were when you drove it off the lot. So um, how does mindfulness help, um, you know, shift that belief that happiness is something that we experience, that is only triggered from something outside of us? versus an inside job. Yeah, so that uh, is one of the main false beliefs that govern our existence um, in the West. Um, you know, there's probably 10 or so of them that I cover in the book, but that's kind of the main one. Um, that is that, as you point out, that that your happiness comes from acquisition. and And really, it's the exact opposite. Because if you think about it, uh, if you have your happiness dictated by the acquisition of things uh, or even situations, um, only three things can happen, and none of them lead to happiness. One is you don't acquire it or, or get it, and so then you're unhappy. Mm-hmm. Two, you get what you want, but then it changes, and everything changes. So you get the job that you want, but then the job changes, or you get the ideal girlfriend, but the ideal drops away. And then third, no matter what, your attitude towards things are going to change. As you pointed out with the car, even if it doesn't get dinged, your attitude towards it changes. And what you realize is the unhappiness is not caused by any of those things. It's caused by your belief that acquiring things will cause you happiness. And so mindfulness will allow you to recognize that this is an endless cycle of unhappiness rather than happiness and cause you to take a different approach, which is to, the the best way I've I've heard it said is um, uh, 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 Wallace uh, says, you bring joy to your life. You don't get joy from your life. And so the approach that my book advocates is cultivating things that you already have, like a garden. And those things that you already have will bring you happiness and in fact cause you 
to bring, bring happiness to others. So generosity, gratitude, uh, kindness, um, all of those things are, are characteristics you already have. All of them can be cultivated. You don't need to get anything to, to cause them to uh, be because they're already within you. And cultivating them will cause happiness inside and then also cause you to spread happiness to others that you that you approach. Um, and so the acquisition, it's the opposite of the acquisition mentality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, um, you also talk about failure in your book and, um, and the fact that life has a reset button. And I was wondering if you could just share some wisdom on that. So um, the reset button thing is, is, is mostly what I was just saying. That is that um, when, when we are not feeling good about ourselves, mm-hmm. there's a number of internal characteristics we have that will combat that. Uh, compassion, generosity, loving kindness, um, gratitude, all of those will change your mindset. If you sit down every morning and make a list of 10 things that you're grateful for and a one-sentence reason as to why, and you do that every day for a month, uh, and believe me, you'll be able to think of 10 things easily every day, um, your mindset will change uh, over the course of that day. If the person cuts you off and you're angry, but you think, oh, that could be someone bringing their wife to the hospital to have a kid, and you have compassion, compassion and anger cannot coexist. You can't be compassionate and angry at the same time. It's impossible. So those are the reset buttons, um, and we all have them, and all we need to do is practice them, um, and we have very, very many opportunities to practice them because whenever we feel bad is an opportunity to practice them. Uh, exactly. Now, the failure thing, yeah. Now, the failure thing is is um, is the way I the way I characterize it is life begins at the edge of your comfort zone and continues thereafter. So, you know, if you don't try new things and you don't try things that are challenging, um, you're not living life. If you try new things and you try challenging things, you absolutely will not succeed all the time. It's just not possible. And so if you regard that not achieving as, quote, failure, close quote, you're not going to try new things, and your life will become more and more and more constricted, and your happiness will get largely deprived from you. And you are depriving yourself of the opportunity to make great achievements nearly by using the lack of achieving a particular goal as a stick to beat yourself. And so that's the way we think about things in the West, whereas, you know, in the East, it's a little bit different. They think of continuous self-improvement requires, um, quote, failing, close quote, along the way, because 
how are you going to improve yourself if you don't try things that are hard to do? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because in Western society, there's such a fear of failure and such a fear of making a mistake because there's so mm -hmm. much shame associated with that for some reason. I don't know why it's so prevalent, but, you know, what I um, when I'm working with a client, they struggle with the fear of making a mistake. You know, I remind them that, you know, there are people that make six figures and their job is to make a mistake all day long. It's called an experiment. and They're called scientists. You know, <laughs> and this is how well, we evolve. Oh, my best, my favorite quote on that is they asked Edison, um, who spent six years trying to make a light bulb and doing multiple experiments every day. Um, somebody said to him, well, how, how could you possibly keep going in light of all those failures? And he looked at him and he said, I never failed a single day. Now I know thousands of ways not to make a light bulb. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, that's interesting, too, because <laughs> his intention was to make a light bulb. And that just kind of is a great segue to my next question, which is how important is intention when it comes to mindfulness or when it comes to creating a life that you um, enjoy living? So it's kind of the second half of the thing. Right. One is mindfulness allows you to pay attention to your experience with openness and curiosity so that you're not captured by the experience. So mm -hmm. when the person cuts you off, you're not captured by anger. Um, but then the other part of it is within that space, you have the opportunity to choose your intention. And, and therein lies your ability to make your life happy regardless of external events. In that space, you can choose to be grateful. You can choose to be kind. You can be, choose to be generous. You can choose to inspire others. You can choose to have courage to achieve a laudable objective. You can make all those choices. All those choices will lead to happiness regardless of the outcome of your particular endeavor. And so, um, intention is so. I mean, I there's one of my chapters where I talk about the two things that really are instrumental to our happiness are attention and intention. Where you place your attention determines where your mind's going to go and where your mind's going to live. Choosing the proper and wise intentions will deliver you happiness. Thank you for that. That's a great way to close out the show. John Alcock, thank you so much for joining us today. Everyone, Thanks. the name of his book, you're welcome. The name of his book is 40 Things I Wish I Told My Kids. I'll be back again next week. This is Sylvia Henderson signing off. Uh, please know that you are lovable and you are loved and have a really wonderful week. Take care and goodbye for now. Thank you.